0: I might get Oscar weekly It's M-M-O-Weekly Welcome, welcome, welcome. Show that comes to
1: you once a week, covering the Hollywood week that was getting you ready for the Hollywood week to come. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW, coming to you once again on a Tuesday, as we will be at least for one more week as Game of Thrones finally runs its course after some 8, 10, 20, it feels like, honestly. Thirty-five year excursion in television to us non-fans. I don't know what you people are going to do as a society once this show. Yeah, I said it. I said it. Uh, Yeah, I don't know what you guys are going to do as a society once this show is over. But you have one episode left. Uh, we're going to start with what we're watching. I am kicking off my what we're watching. I'm going to to cede my time to you. I am co-host Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. And also, Mike, I'm going to give you the floor here. You are the longtime Game of Thrones fan. We're just off, what was this, episode 5 of season 8? Yes. A lot of things happened. This is going to be a lot of spoilers, obviously. Uh, you've had a couple days to catch up and watch it. Everyone's already knows about it. If you've been online, you've had to have seen it. Uh, so, Mike... Go ahead. What we're watching? First, let's start with a song, and then get right into it.
0: It's what we're watching. <laughs> what we're watching what, we're watching. what we're watching. What we're watching. What we're. <laughs> we didn't plan that, obviously. It was terrible. <laughs> Mike, uh, how about that heel turn? This yeah. was coming from a mile away, and you saw it clearly yes. without emotion. At first, I was mad at you, but now I'm kind of just proud because, you know, we've been reviewing film and TV together for a while now. I was emotionally manipulated. I mean, I was saying all along that there's, I have too much time invested in this character. They're not going to do this, right? I mean, all signs point that they're going to do this. I, I just have had a long conversation with my brother the day before they have to do this right but i can't at what point in the episode did you think this is how it's going to go Oh, almost immediately yeah. almost That's immediately what I once it starts i'm like i all right, right. i know it's going to happen that. i just can't believe the degree to which they did it like the bells are ringing everybody surrendered it's over the war is mm-hmm. over All the army has to do is walk through the city gates and everybody has surrendered. The the swords are on the ground from the Lannister troops.
1: It's done. So that... Obviously was a big point of contention online last night. A lot of hardcore lifelong fans, of which I am not one. And I I just we said we recorded another episode yesterday, and I said to Mike, I think Danny's just gonna go full bad guy. And I actually think she's going to die, and a lot of people obviously do now too, but that's fine. We'll get into predictions yet. But let's talk about the episode last night. A lot of people were uh, upset with her just deciding to go full burn it all to the ground because they thought it kind of came from nowhere you don't feel this way
0: not at all uh this was this has been foreshadowed in the books thoroughly it's it's something in the books where I mean there's even an extra character that's not in the show that I think is a, t- a device that is just playing off her madness. Mm-hmm. So the, the whole Mad Queen thing has been something for years in the fandom. We all knew who her father was. Her father was the Mad King. The, her father wanted to burn the city to the ground and Lannister stabbed him in the back to stop that mm-hmm. from happening. Jaime Lannister, the Kingslayer, Michael. So <laughs> bottom line is, she every word that's come out of her mouth in a big speech has said she is going to burn win with fire and blood. She's going to burn cities to the ground. She's been saying this since season one all the way throughout, and all of the supporting characters, Tyrion, Varys, Jon, Danny. you know, the one thing you can't do is burn the city to the ground. Right. Those are all you don't want to be, be the Queen 10, of Ash. 000. You don't want to be the Queen of Ash, right? Last season, you don't want to be the Queen of Ash, said Varys. She's like, alright, fine. I don't want to be the Queen of Ashes. Ash. All right. she, they, they convinced her for a while she did the right thing with the White Walkers, Use the necessary evil to kill the White Walkers, or at least to have them in the fight. They don't win without her. But bottom line is, up against every single imposing force, she has burned them. Yeah. That's that. Now, what what was scary about this is that there's a lot of the casualties, the total war aspect. Oh, this stuff. is a full-fledged shield turn. This is a massacre. This yeah. is a Mother of Dragons Day massacre. Yeah. And th- she n- said it, what she was going to do at the beginning of the episode, if we were going to forget, she said... All right, let it be fear then. Let it be fear. So what do you think?
1: When did Danny decide that this is how her approach was going to be? Because to me, it seemed like once she came on to Jon Snow for that last time and he kind of put his wall up and said, you're just my queen, I'm not going to go down this road, she kind of has nothing left to go back to
0: because she's killing all of her assistants. The thing about the Jon Snow stuff, I think Jon Snow and her could have signified... Some kind of future in a way, but he would—it would have signified like Westeros respecting her, mm-hmm. and the fact that Jon gets an order from her. Don't tell Sansa and Arya because they are going to basically try and make it a coup for you to overtake me, even if you don't want to. This is what's going to happen. I see this coming a miles a mile away, so she literally gives him a direct order in that scene, and he disobeys it. And she understands why it's not something that's out of the blue. John is so honorable that he's good. But John's honor dooms everybody, which has been another theme throughout the show as well. So
1: do you think she, her mind was already made up at that point? Or do you think this was a spur of the moment thing when well, she's already in the air
0: and saying, fuck it? No, I don't think I think she was uh, wrestling with it for days. I mean, she was wrestling with it, but it, she, her in her mind coming over over the seas, she has a horde of barbarians who have just spent 8 years and really their whole lifetimes sacking cities and destroying mm-hmm. and raping and pillaging. That was the Dothraki. All right right from the get-go she won their respect won them over with strength by burning people alive she crucified all the slavers and just freed all the slaves yes to do what to fight in her army and die by the hundreds of thousands probably at least the tens of thousands they died by the tens of thousands throughout her reign and, and her her leadership so yes she freed the slaves they didn't do so well under her under her uh, reign ever since now she is saying this throne is mine and she is racked with just grief over jorah over her two dragons now Mm -hmm. over death of missandy whose last words were Drakaris. over the fact that yeah i mean it didn't work out with john that's part of it but Tyrion, she trusted Tyrion, and he is just screwed up every single time Varys betrays her Mm -hmm. in that last scene she wants revenge she wants fire and blood it's who she is it's who her character is It's who her family is that's what she is and she doesn't care she wants them all dead she said it at the beginning of the episode in another way as well she's like it will be uh i'm thinking long term that i'm i'm gonna take this tyrant out so that future generations won't have tyrants
1: Except now she is the tyrant.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but in her mind, she stops
1: all tyranny. So I think it's also a unique way of storytelling, too, because it shines some light on maybe her father wasn't the Mad King. Maybe this is what he, you know, he had a similar plot structure and plot device. She is obviously going drunk with power, but maybe that's how he got there. Shines a little more light on that.
0: His father's story is not that different, but this is a story about characters with very human faults. And we talk about rounded characters. Mm -hmm. They screw up left and right. The whole war that this thing was based on was a fat guy thought a hot girl was hot and (laughs) wanted to go after her and thought she loved him and she was in love with somebody else. That's the whole story. That's the basis. That's the whole story. (laughs) He starts a war against the Mad King for her. And that's the whole story. And we we never knew that. We thought... We thought uh, that she loved him in return, that some guy came through Rhaegar Targaryen, John's father came through, raped her, captured her, this whole thing. No, she was in love with him. That's the whole revelation of this last season. It's amazing how many mistakes John has made, Danny has made, they've all have made. So what you're left with is a plot structure. Good guy. I mean, think about American Gangster. Denzel, Russell Crowe. Mm. You got that two-hander. It, 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 you look. You could take the plot structure and you can map it out the same way. This is detective. Killer! This is hero villain. This is showdown time, and now we're up against the showdown for the last episode. So, as a longtime fan and a critic of the series, you think this is great screen uh, storytelling? This was fine screenwriting well, by you on your end. I think it's ruthless because they have played with your emotions so much. Because the Danny moments are hero moments. She's had hero mm-hmm. moments. I mean, we we've seen villains break bad, but this is the point where she broke bad. But we've had so many moments where. Yes, they justified the killing that she had. They justified all her maneuvering, and I totally get the backlash now. That's something else, because I mean, you understand that she's a feminist hero in yeah. many ways. You want to be, you want her to be the good guy. Now, none of us read this correctly. Like, if, if we all read this correctly, yeah, I mean, the Mad Queen was a theory right. out there, but it wasn't like common knowledge that this was going to definitely happen emotionally invested in this, I did not think they're going to go through that because of all the uh, implications. I thought Danny was going to be a hero. I mean, we saw funny gifts and pictures on Twitter with like the old Renaissance style painting with Jon Snow and Daenerys sitting with the <laughs> children and all right. that. Uh, but this is a long way of answering. I, I don't think John's turning her away romantically has as much to do with it as everybody's making it out to be. I think the fact that she's grieving, that she wants blood.
1: All right, before we talk about where this goes for the series finale next week, let's talk about what else happened in this. Uh, Cersei, were you satisfied with her meeting her demise in the way she did? That worked. I mean, she's just always been in
0: denial. You didn't
1: want her to be taken down by someone's hand?
0: No, that worked. I mean, her and Jamie hugging, getting crushed. Because you have so much development of that character. You ha- You don't, especially, the, it's tragic the way they die, even though they're the worst people ever. Put on page, on a page you know they're the worst <laughs> they, they throw kids out of windows they, they have sex with their siblings they're the worst yeah. mike and yet we <laughs> feel for those characters throughout their run and she's displayed machiavellian capabilities that we've we've never seen before i mean she did michael corleone shit two years ago and i'm just in awe of her ability to take power so i mean anybody talking about the fact that this is not about female capability is I mean not watching because the capability is there. But the, just like history, and George R. R. Martin talks about this as always he's a stu- as a student of history, there are as many bloody Marys as there are Longshanks, Edward mm. Longshanks in in you know monarch history, there's plenty of women who have ruled with an iron fist, who have been tyrants.
1: Jamie, before he got to Cersei there for their big finale, their big send-off, he had his own battle to deal with. I saw a article on the Ringer today where a lot of their staff members did not like that battle. They said it came from out of nowhere. I obviously have no kind of uh lens for it i don't know who even that last character was other than the guy that shot down the dragon but jamie and and that character had a duel the man dies he says i'm the one that killed jamie lannister those are his last words before jamie goes off to see cersei did that battle
0: work for you no it didn't work either i I thought that he should have just been fired by the dragons i mean that would have been easy right off the bat boom barbecue like why does he need to stab jamie before jamie like jamie could have done that with cersei anyway he could have gotten stuck in the catacombs with no way out and hugged her anyway. Right. He didn't need to kill Euron before doing that.
1: Euron, that uh, was his name. All like, right.
0: Why is that necessary?
1: All right. And the final thing that happened last night, the big headliner, the Battle of the Brothers finally went down. So and Yes, as it was known. I didn't want to try to say that because I don't know how it's pronounced. But go po- ahead. Give po- us your
0: thoughts. Poetic. Poetic, for sure. And it makes sense that, uh, that Arya, after what she's been through, would actually stare at Sandor and he would tell her look this is what it comes to and she, that revelation after all this time because it's, she went from cutthroat assassin brainwashed to the point where she has these supernatural capabilities and she's on a murder spree in previous seasons to where she is now having gone back to her family having been more more humanized having literally taking the size like, i mean she could be brand for now like everybody else brand just I am no one, I have no more <laughs> wands. Roll me away slowly while I don't break eye contact with you. But Arya, Arya could be that way. She could be totally tonic and just, just, a, just a blunt instrument. But Arya has become more of a Stark again. She's become Arya Stark once more. And for her to realize that she's got to get the hell out of there, that no, I don't need to kill Cersei this bad. This is a nightmare. Get the hell out of here. The Hound will go do it. And But you were satisfied with the, the, the brother bowl, as it were. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, the fact that, that their life started by the older brother pushing younger brother into the fire. And now it's the younger brother tackling older brother out the top of the red keep. A Lannister-headed Red Keep, and their their families always serve the Lannister to fall down into a blaze of fire. That's an awesome battle scene. I
1: don't understand why he let Cersei just walk by him. At he that doesn't point. care
0: about Cersei. All right, yeah, that's fine. He doesn't care. It's
1: Cersei lost. I mean, that's the. the only I, thing I get that, but she's right. Just stick a sword out, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, let's talk about what you think does happen next. Now, as we of oh. wrapping up this review here for Game of Thrones, where do you see the finale going? Does Danny live? If not, who takes her down? What happens with Arya? What happens with John, give us where you think this will go and
0: where you want it to go. George R. R. Martin said it's going to be bittersweet. What I don't want to have happen now, even though it's a showdown, we're in showdown mode over the course of the whole series, I don't want a Danny versus John kind of something. I don't want that. I don't want John to wind up on the throne. Like, I don't think John's the best ruler for the Seven Kingdoms. Sansa's probably the best ruler for the Seven Kingdoms. If anything, they both die Romeo and Juliet style. I'll be in for that. Does Ar- Do we fl- have a big flash forward? That's my guess right now. I haven't read anything, obviously. That's my guess. We're going to have a big flash forward, and the show's going to wind up with Arya in the room, taking her face off, and then stabbing D- Danny at the very, very end, and you what, think that's how it goes
1: down? Not a face to face. It could be,
0: and it could be that a, that's after Danny puts an end to John, or John takes the black again, or I don't something like that. Wow. I really don't know. I think John's going to be fairly neutralized. His whole army disobeyed him. Not that he really could control them. He never thought that was going to be. It was going to come to that. Right. Like my guys are going to rape and pillage, even though this is how every. You know, battle is lost in the Middle Ages. This is the end result, mm-hmm. and on the show and in the history of this mythology, and in the Middle Ages, c- cities are sacked. Yeah. This is what happens, and it's a mi- and it, for the Dothraki to do it, fine. For the for the Unsullied to be just endless killing machines, especially after one Unsullied finally falls in love and they kill her that way of course he's going to going to go on a rampage. Didn't Danny say
1: something last night to the effect of John showed his true true allegiance to his sister he'll never actually be like my disciple or something like that? Didn't she was that a line of dialogue or did I miss here?
0: So Danny was trying to get Tyrion to to give her the opportunity to kill John cuz she's she's mad at John thoroughly mad right. at John. Right. Sure. He betrayed. And him. I don't I well he t- he basically told her what he was gonna do. He's like, I need to tell my sisters about my lineage, and she's like, No, don't do that. And so that proves he has more allegiance to his sisters than to Danny. I think for her, it proves that she that he actually does view himself so, and his own judgment on the level with hers. He does not defer to her judgment. He can say, "You're my queen. You're my queen," until so, he's blown into place. But she doesn't. She doesn't think that he respects her enough. Were Danny
1: to have Arya by the throat like the Night King did, because Arya tries to attack
0: her and is on the verge of killing Arya, that's reason enough for Jon to actually kill Danny, right? Danny's not going to be able to fight. The, the The thing with Danny is, I mean, she when she gets on a dragon, she's a great fighter pilot, but hand to hand combat, she's not. It's not going to happen that, that way. Or Danny's going to have a knife at somebody's throat. It's, it, it could happen where Grey Worm, her, you know, guard or whatever. She's going to call it, could have her at the throat. I'm just trying to think her. of
1: something where, where, if John's, if the whole crux of, of that issue is that John has the allegiance to his sisters over Danny, if he, it, you don't want it to
0: see him kill Danny off because he's probably his allegiance and you'd like to see, think John Snow's this. There's no question John's against Danny now. There's no question about I'm Sure, that. and so is Tyrion. What yeah. does he do at the end of it though? Does he bend the knee and go back right. to the north and just say, screw it, I can't get her here. There's no way I can win right now? I mean, and then maybe they do that flash forward and Arya assassin comes out. Again. I would have
1: had a very large problem if that was the way Arya went out by that stampeding crowd. Like she survived the Night King and takes out the fucking zombie vampire
0: and everybody, troop. Everybody gets mad at the Night King too. The Night King is in the series for a total of 30 minutes and this is a show that's been on for over 85 hours or whatever it is and then you have in the books he's in it even less of the time he might be in it right. for 20 pages and everybody's like well they brought in the big zombies How could he probably, and they yeah. kill immediately the whole point of right. the show is it's a Machiavellian power struggle between human beings right No, my point, my only point is that we had that that whole
1: battle of Winterfell was Arya basically eluding the entire (laughs) White's army for a good portion of it before being the ultimate hero at the end. And if she was going to be taken out by a couple of stampeding people because fire is coming down, I would have been very upset about that. But I think you only keep her alive, like I just said to you before recording. The only reason you keep Arya alive after that fire blast is to have her kill someone significant.
0: It's possible, it's possible. And she rode off on a white I, horse, for Christ's sake. She wo- wo- rode <laughs> off on the white horse of death, the pale mare, which is in a uh, prophecy. There's a whole article on The Ringer about all the pro- prophecies surrounding the pale mare, all the big oh, biblical prophe- prophecies. Yeah, absolutely, I think they're signifying that. I still don't know if she's going to be successful, though. I mean, I just, Danny might wind up winning this thing, and that might be the harsh reality that George R. R. Martin is trying to say. Like, history is a nightmare sometimes. Well, that would be... i
1: tell you what, there's not enough long-term and, like, top 10, top 20 shows of all time that end on down, sour notes. The Shield kind of did.
0: Mm-hmm. Um does anything else was well, anything else a, to be a total bummer i mean based on the plot structure the, the this is like before it goes up again something good's going to happen it's because go something went episode. down right okay. now something good is going to happen after it goes down i mean the, the plots just they reverberate from up and down that's why i was really worried about this battle because we finished the battle with the the walking dead and we won right. you know so i figured it was up it's going to go <laughs> it, it's going to go down for the next big act climax now we're in that final act it's looking like a showdown between john and danny i think it's gonna i don't know it could go down and then go then go up again or it could go it could go up Arya just stabs the shit out of that last but they they are powerless i mean i don't know how <laughs> sure I mean, and it was
1: nice to see the dragons actually like act like dragons, as opposed to what they've been for, at least when I've been watching this season so right. far, they've been like for victory laps and firing squads. Well, I mean, the
0: thing <laughs> is they they haven't been up there that long with riders breathing fire on people. They really haven't. They right. they were able to go at ships in Slaver's Bay once, and they've been little dragons, you know, burning people. But it hasn't. they haven't been in battle. So I like the whole progression, and it takes them a while to get good at it.
1: I mean, you know, so
0: now they survived the Night King and all the, you know, the throwing spears and all the zombies, you know, so, and, and all right. So she was sucker punched and surprised. One dragon fell down. And then now we have just coming from on high breathing fire and that those ships didn't really stand a chance. That. All right. Uh, that's
1: the Game of Thrones recap. Like we said, we got one more week coming where MMOW is going to be coming to you on a Tuesday. We'll wrap up the Game of Thrones uh, re-watching and those series recap uh, with us next week there as well. As I said at the top, we're going to punt what we've been watching, the rest of what we've been watching alongside Game of Thrones to try to fit these Game of Thrones recaps in. So we're going to have probably a big what we're watching section in a couple weeks from now. We'll be able to clue you in on a lot of Netflix stuff, a lot of uh, current stuff, a lot of non oscar related stuff that yep. we've been watching otherwise tv as well that isn't game of thrones or westeros related <laughs> uh, but for now let's slide into some trailer thoughts with some big trailers that debuted this week
0: trailer thoughts. <laughs> Mike Judy debuted the first look at the Judy Garland movie what do we think Legendary performer Judy Garland arrives in London in the winter of 1968 to perform a series of sold-out concerts. This feels a lot like Stan and Ollie. This feels a lot like a month in the life or a year in the life of a superstar. And it doesn't feel like it's going to be that career-spanning biopic. Good. Good those right. always
1: seem to have trouble
0: translating that all that being said we do get some flashbacks to Wizard of Oz to her younger self it seems and I kind of like that and maybe it's if it's done in flashes I mean flashbacks are dicey you gotta nail it but uh, dream sequences flashbacks day perhaps dreams, yeah but look man I mean you get somewhere over the rainbow. You get, get that Renee Zellweger looking like Judy Garland, singing like Judy Garland to a degree, the best she can. Mm-hmm. But she can sing, so that's that's yeah, a positive. Yeah, she does have a good voice. And uh, I I thought the montage was was emotional. I thought it was really nice. I loved all the spins. <laughs> it's like it's now a GIF, but she she does like seven spins in a row, just like old Judy Garland. I didn't you know, I didn't notice that. It's but right, all right in the middle of the trailer. I, thought, I I really thought they did a phenomenal job in this trailer to to make it seem really classy like this is something they're getting behind and Mike the release date signifies to me that they are getting behind this. I mean, last year, the Octo- first month of October or the first week yeah. of October, A Star is Born came out. That yeah. was its launch pad and now was optim- optimized by that box office. It sure. did really
1: well. No, no question. Good point.
0: A week earlier this year, the last week of September, now we have Judy coming out. So it's the same time frame, essentially, where they're releasing the musical movie. I am worried. I'm not
1: that high on this movie. I think I'm a little bit uh, trepidatious about this. I've said on Twitter, and and I still feel it, I just have this gut feeling in my stomach that there's something off about this. I don't know if it's because I think this is overly Oscar-baity or that I'm just not the biggest Zellweger fan, but there's just something about this that makes me think it isn't going to be worth the hype. It's been hyped up for a while. It does have that Oscar release date, like you said. Mm -hmm. Renee Zellweger is, is somebody that should be chasing Academy Awards at some point. She's been a serious actor for a long time now. I hope I'm wrong. I just, I don't know. I can't even really put my finger on it outside of, I, there's just, I, I don't think this is going to do
0: it look they've had a lot of biopics in recent years kind of flop uh the princess diana movie with naomi watts yeah it is, is an example of it i mean even look at like bel canto with julianne sure. moore that was being hyped up last year around this time like, like it could have been something yes we've seen these flounder and die and we've also seen this release date not work out to be an oscar favorite. didn't work out for a star is born and it didn't even work out there so but I do think this one looks nice in that first trailer. They they don't have any scenes, really. It's kind of more of a teaser. It is a teaser, and
1: there's there's not a lot to be invested in or critical of, and I know it's unfair of me to say I just have a gut feeling, mm-hmm. but I just
0: can't shake it I for just, whatever reason. I think the studio has confidence in it if they're oh, sure. putting it with that release day spot. I like agree. At least they think it's going to make money, which if you have a kind of awards-baity movie that you think is going to make money, that's kind of a good sign. Yeah, you're
1: you're making a lot of sense and you're not saying anything wrong. uh, You also brought up the point, it's interesting to note, it is Zellweger's real voice. They're not using Judy Garland's voice at all. So whereas we just saw Bohemian Rhapsody last year, people praised Remy Malek's lip syncing because they incorporated Freddie Mercury's real voice and voice talent into that with his and someone else's. That's not going to be
0: the case here. When she hit some high notes, you've felt like she was doing the Judy Garland impression mm. yeah. and when she's singing softer it feels more like it's just Renee Zellweger but it works for me I I know there's some big names that are cast not just uh, the, the names of the characters are, are big not just the names of the cast members but that's going to be interesting, and I just hope it's a like a month or a year in the life of this person. I hope it's not the full career-spanning biopic. That'd be frustrating. I don't
1: want it to. Those, those long-term ones always seem to have trouble translating. Like, even look at A Beautiful Mind, which won Best Picture. It just, it seems like you're picking your spots as to where you're going to read, because you have to. Yes. You're going to speed through things and slow things down. It always seems a little bit clunky to me. I, I hope I'm wrong. If you know why I feel this way, please let me know because I haven't figured it out yet, and I know that's very unfair of me to be a critic and say that I feel <laughs> This way, right, but I do, and I'm sorry. It's
0: uh, a gut feel. You've had uh, you've had a good gut feeling lately <laughs> with the Game of Thrones. So yeah, you we'll never know. S- we'll see if that translates. Uh, it Chapter Two also came out, Michael. Yeah, the premise reads: 27 years later, the Losers Club have grown up and moved away until a devastating phone call brings them back. This trailer. Is bonkers. It's scary. Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> it's not a teaser. It's no, not a teaser. No, we not get at all. a we get a whole like one minute scene or almost a ninety second scene. Yeah. With Beverly going back home to her old apartment or whatever that she lived with her dad, who was a scumbag. And this old woman is there, and it's a great performance by this old woman. Oh, she's creepy as shit. Who's actually <laughs> Pennywise? Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's a great trailer. Terrifying. Creepy. I mean, look, uh, The uh, Innkeepers was a movie with naked old people. (laughs) It Follows had naked old people in it. Whenever you do naked... The Visit? The the Shining. The Visit. Yes, The Visit. I don't remember. Naked old people are scary, man. (laughs) Sorry. I'm going to be scary when I'm a naked old person, too. We're scary naked now. (laughs) Now, uh, Look, I,
1: I agree with you. Great, great trailer. Why, though, would Jessica Chastain's character sit for tea in this circumstance. <laughs> like, why? She was literally tormented by a sadistic clown who could distort reality as a child. Why in God's name would you even for a second stick around somewhere where anything is even a little bit off?
0: If I'm the <laughs> loosest club, Like, we just go everywhere together. Like, why would we ever separate? Why? Why would you do that?
1: That aside, yes, it is incredibly creepy, incredibly terrifying. I also feel like the Beverly Marsh character was conceived in the first one, uh, the first chapter of it, to be played by Jessica Chastain at Mm -hmm. this point. Uh, Sophia Lillis had a great start making performance in my eyes in the first one. I actually thought she was worthy of Academy consideration, but I I think she was casted with the idea of handing this over to Chastain. I think that Chastain casting was something we all all kind of immediately held to when we saw the first one was going to spur a sequel.
0: Acting was terrific in that scene and it was scary and it was like you you had the right kind of, it wasn't jump scares, but the right kind of creeps going on. So creepy. And then it breaks off into the montage of Pennywise and all the balloons and Pennywise floating on a big cloud of balloons. And (sighs) you, you just have all these great Visuals, and then you have the repetitive sound effects with that song, like just being a little bit off Mm -hmm. and like a broke, literally a broken record. Oh god! Somebody
1: posted somewhere on social media today, just Bill Skarsgård, just as Bill Skarsgård doing the smile for Pennywise and how his yeah. mouth gets all crooked at the
0: top it's oh, and so disturbing why was he like push
1: mushing his face uh-huh. down
0: with that makeup that was so weird and gross and...
1: that's a great casting by the way he oh. is a perfect Pennywise uh, Tim Curry must be proud I'm sure we'll talk about The Farewell Michael that also had a trailer debut Aquafina
0: Old friend of the show here. Just looks terrific. Uh, the trailer made me laugh. It also made me tear up right in the yeah. middle of it. What a great job they're doing with this seemingly tremendous dramedy. It was a big hit at Sundance. I mean, <laughs> there's a quote like uh, when the parents are telling her that her grandmother's dying, and <laughs> this is great. the parents are like, Chinese people have a saying: When you get cancer, you die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That <laughs> so, yeah, was that was funny. And it was and it's also effed up. But I mean, look, I, I was really surprised by this, Mike, because Aquafina is doing like a very understated performance. Yeah. I figured. It was going to be her going over the top and her being really animated, my my crazy family. No, she's like the benchmark of sanity and calm and poise, even though she's a little, you know, upset and doesn't know how to treat her grandmother. She's the
1: one kind of playing against her family and wanting
0: to tell her grandmother that she's dying of cancer, but all the other family members say you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really liked it. I hope she gets a couple scenes because this movie has enough buzz right now that I think if it does well at the box office, it could have make that mark where it's a big deal and Lulu Wang and everybody involved gets into the Oscar conversation. So I'm really rooting for it. I echo everything you just said very excited to see
1: Aquafina take a dramatic turn uh, she's very very talented so I'm looking forward to watching her pull this off because I truly believe she will uh, and like you said given the chance given those scenes I think she can pull it off and maybe get some Academy recognition or some awards recognition as well that's Aquafina one times six degrees of MMO champion Aquafina just want to mm-hmm. repeat that uh, <laughs> friend of the pot yeah friend of the pot here it's a relatable story it seems like it's told from a lens that Americans may not be overly familiar with so it can be educational as well as enjoyable there is that that we cinema in America and awarded cinema in America is definitely shifting more towards an international feel in some ways. Sure. So like you said, this could be something that kind of gets its hooks in. We talk about how every year there's one indie film that makes its way out of the gutter and just holds on for dear life for Academy recognition. Maybe this is it.
0: Look, even with Green Book last year, I mean, that's a movie that hits a lot of familiar notes and does it in a unique way mm-hmm. that is very polished, right? The, the, you can't say about Green Book or about uh, Bohemian Rhapsody that the, they don't hit the familiar cliches and do them in a fun, and at sometimes innovative way, Sure, and they both do. And we don't like some of the right. ethics yeah. involved, but bottom line is I, I think this movie is ascribing to the conventions and just hitting them out of the park. And it's even true with the structure of the trailer. Like, you got the big emotional yeah. music, you got all of the same beats that we're accustomed to, and they pull them off. Yeah, I, I, I totally,
1: absolutely, 100% agree. And I would love to see someone like Aquafina come forward and just grab the dramatic genre by the balls and hold on for everything it's worth. Let's go. Yeah. Big
0: Little Lie Season 2 also dropped its first long awaited trailer. My God. We got Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman squaring off in this trailer, and in the first trailer, and it looks electric. Every member of the Emmys just
1: masturbating furiously.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so. <laughs> this gross. is exactly
1: why people watch television.
0: Yeah, this is why, and this yeah. is why TV is at the level that movies are now. I mean, this is this is truth and uh, i'm a big fan of the first season it just makes way too much sense to deal with the fallout i know they i, I don't think they have a book behind this one I or maybe there was the epilogue either. or I'm not whatever sure myself yeah so people weren't sure if it was going to get a second season because it's just it wasn't supposed the, to the not originally book. yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, originally it was supposed to it was supposed to be a miniseries that's I, I have a little talk about that but if you were to tell me like five years ago that the tv show i'd be most excited for centered around five adult women trying to raise families in california and recover from various abuses and snooty
0: families yeah way. like this is the snootiest richest you know, the, the, it's a nightmare. I can't imagine. Can you imagine being a teacher in that second grade class? And oh, it's great. And that's one of the things you see in the trailers. The principal just
1: getting picked on by <laughs> oh, all of them. I'm on the side of the principal. I don't, I don't know his character yet, but those poor people,
0: those poor beautiful teachers. But no. if you were to tell
1: me five years ago, this would be like, it's a, it's a woman-driven, dramatic series. Right. I would have assumed Meryl Streep was probably involved in it, but I also would have said I would, didn't believe you. You know,
0: like this is just kind of taken over the zeitgeist, which I love. I mean, that. The trailer asks you fifteen scathing questions, oh my God. and it's just awesome. I mean, we gotta we've, know. We've had two the looks.
1: We've had two looks of Meryl Streep's character, yeah. who's going to be the Bill Skarsgård's mother. Oh, apparently, it. investigating her son's death, which is yeah. what the whole cru- the whole issue of season one was about. Yeah, I think it's another
0: Skarsgård, not Bill. Yeah, you're right,
1: Alexander Skarsgård. Too many Skarsgård. Stalin, Bill. Alexander, that's enough.
0: Is it too many <laughs> We love the Skarsgårds. No, they're great. Uh,
1: my apologies there, but she we've seen her square off with Reese Witherspoon in yeah. a teaser trailer. Now we see her squaring off with Nicole Kidman, who was married to Alexander Skarsgårds' character in season one. Uh, this
0: is just going to be great. I, I cannot wait to see this. In, in a way, it's like a tinge of her character from doubt. Yeah, oh like, Yeah. She's like this amateur sleuth, Mrs. Streep there. She has
1: know. the answers already, but it's just asking leading, questions, leading to play. questions. She's got three Emmy wins already, does Meryl Streep for her performances in miniseries or TV movies. She's got another one as a narration win yep. that came in 2017. But I imagine this is going to be her fourth acting Emmy. Uh, she hasn't graced the Emmy stage for such a nomination since 2004 for her work on Angels in America. But you brought up. This was only supposed to be a one-season miniseries. Right. I wonder if this is going to be still in the miniseries category, miniseries or TV movie. We see, we saw American Horror Story just kind of make their way out of the miniseries categories now, even though yep. there's been like eight years of that. So, we'll see. There is a reason to believe they should stick this still in the miniseries category, which would lead to an easier route to a win, you would think, for a Meryl Streep or... It'd a, be Nicole funny Pena. if
0: it stays in the miniseries category another year and it winds up going like ten seasons, nine seasons. <laughs> well, that's what we're, we're doing different. with American Horror Story. We just <laughs> right. did this, you know? So, right. th- there is a blueprint for it. So. But this yes. is literally a continuation from... Uh, uh, yes, uh, it is. It it's is not a, an anthology. Uh, no, it's <laughs> yeah. not an anthology. But uh, it, it looks great. Can't wait. Yeah. The Lodge also debuted and we're talking A lot of scary movies Getting to be that time of year Yeah, we got a premise here A soon-to-be stepmom Is snowed in With her fiancé's two children at a remote holiday village Just as relations Begin to thaw Between the trio Some strange And frightening events Take place Mike, this trailer Looked Great, Phenomenal. Uh, some superlative reviews that are mentioned in the trailer. A game-changing horror film. We got Slash Film, IndieWire, both uh, websites we really respect and critics we love over there that weighed in are, and are praising this. We got Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala, the two directors responsible for Goodnight Mommy. Yeah, big names in horror. Which I really enjoyed uh, as a horror film, which was scary You saw surprising. it. I haven't seen it. You, you... Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime, I think. Is you, it as scary it's as everyone? makes uh, that the fact that you're hearing that because it's it's a surpriser okay. so it's one of those so the fact that you you're ready embracing for gotcha. it might be a problem all right uh, so I, I don't know if it's one of those movies but it's a it's a really cool film uh and, and it is a, a very unsettling movie the 68 Metascore scares me here the 81 on 21 reviews after sundance that's not as superlative as the trailer seems to uphold but I love Riley Keough I love the production values here I'd
1: say it depends on perspective maybe you know I uh, 68 Metascore I know that's not as high as what this movie is teasing to be but we gotta remember we're five years removed from the age where a 55 metascore for a horror movie meant a watchable horror movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? So maybe we're expecting too much from the genre these days after the Jordan Peele's and after the It Follows all all came okay. out. And this is another one that said, you know, it's the new greatest horror movie ever that's right in its trailer from some critic quote. So it could be hyping itself up a little bit. Goodnight Mommy did get a ton of positive press when it debuted. It itself still carries an 81 metascore. Right. So maybe if you're comparing those two on that, i could see your cause for concern certainly i like i said haven't gotten around to seeing it but severin fiala and veronica france certainly have found a unique horror niche involving suspectingly curious children and adults who need to earn their trust or belief in something which is what i believe goodnight mommy also had kind of like as an underlying premise perhaps <laughs> <laughs> so that's a very unique horror niche uh and alicia silverstone one of the first cast members listed for this movie on IMDb, and she definitely wasn't in this trailer, so I don't know if that's maybe a mini-spoiler or anything, but you gotta imagine she'll be playing a major role in the scare somewhere here in a bit of a comeback effort, so that's something to look forward to, too.
0: Riley Keough kind of looks like... You know, Alicia Silverstone. We're going to get a What Lies Beneath type twist here. Well, do you think, like, she's her daughter years later? Because I know it's like there's a cult. Riley Keough was a member of a cult. She was only 20 years old. It's all in the trailer that was there. Maybe her mother, Alicia Silverstone, was part of the cult?
1: See, I thought Alicia Silverstone would be the wife that everyone presumed wife. dead and yeah. Riley Keogh's the, the girlfriend. Yeah. 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 I mean, be. who knows? Cool. Yeah, it opens up a world of possibilities. I would love to see cult member Alicia Silverstone. That would be quite the departure from Claire from Clueless. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or maybe not, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Perfection also had its trailer debut. Allison Williams, Logan Browning, two excellent performances by these actresses. When troubled musical prodigy Charlotte. Seeks out Elizabeth, the new star pupil of her form, former school. The encounter sends both musicians down a sinister path with shocking consequences. This looks so gross! There's <laughs> bugs underneath their skin, they're crawling. I was like, blah! Uh,
1: I made the joke on Twitter when I first saw this that black males need to stop being friends with any character Allison Williams plays in movies. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a joke, obviously, but thinking about it in a meta way, it's a little interesting that she'd take this type of role in back-to-back, high-profile
0: shows. Isn't, like, Isn't that a little weird? I don't know what the role is. I just know she pulls out a hatchet out of her backpack. Yeah, before.
1: and and so maybe maybe that's the way to think about this. Maybe I'm thinking too much about it and I should just shut up and watch and that's probably the right answer because there is one
0: moment in this trailer you're just where are feeling she's, yourself cuz you're on a roll with predictions and having feelings. I, I don't even want I'm just know nodding my head furiously. betting <laughs> right now and how much money you're wasting.
1: But there is a scene at the end of this trailer where it looks like Allison Williams is getting a come She's in front of a, a panel of people. It wouldn't and, be the first time. Yeah, trying yeah. to get in. So maybe this is her penance. I, I don't know whose POV this is in. because yeah, I don't know
0: either. It might be an Alison Williams. And it could
1: have been a fever dream, too, uh, for all we know. Maybe Alison Williams is a good guy, and she just is being viewed as someone psychotic. Cause oh, of the, I don't the know. Bugs but but this there.
0: is kind of cool, because it's coming on Netflix, and it's fairly well-reviewed. And it's May 24th uh, is they viewed Yeah, yeah it's coming debut. soon looking forward to this one as
1: well. Really not a bad trailer amongst them. I mean, Judy is the one I'm lowest on and it's inexplicable.
0: <laughs> so, it's still a solid trailer. Yeah, it is. It's a good trailer and,
1: and one I am looking forward to. It. I just I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm very wrong. Uh, and speaking of wrong, Let's go to Six Degrees of MMO. What? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not one for transitions here. Let's talk and about... Speaking of one thing I said into something different, I'm Here's going something to say. completely unrelated.
0: <laughs> six Degrees of MMO. We had Zendaya going to Wendell Pierce this week. Michael. Audrey Radijack at Audrey underscore Ratajak, kicking us off here, saying Wendell Pierce was on Suits with Meghan Markle, Duchess. Yes. Of Sussex, who invited Oprah to her wedding earlier that year. Oprah was at the 75th Golden Globes, where Timothy Chalamet was nominated for Best Leading Actor. Timothy is starring in Dune, the upcoming Dune with Zendaya, who will be playing her his love interest. So our favorite people in this one, America's favorite people. Yeah, Meghan Markle, <laughs> Oprah. We should have
1: we should have outlawed Dune because everybody's in Dune. If you can't get a connection in Dune. You're not doing it
0: right. Yeah, we literally have to go through the cast list of (laughs) Dune and pick none of them.
1: (laughs) Mike. Uh, Yasna making a return after a couple weeks off. At Y C A V I E R E S. Wendell Pierce in The Mortician from 2011 with Method Man who was in Garden State from 2004 with Natalie Portman who was in Lucy in the Sky which is coming out in 2019 with Dan Stevens who was in Marshall from 2017 directed by Reginald Hodlin who was also directed Boomerang in 1992. Boomerang! featuring
0: grace jones who was on the runway for the tommy zendaya fashion show in paris tommy x oh oh my god so yeah all of that leading to a fashion show now i thought that was to be that fair excellent. that
1: may not be a thing that exists we, we wouldn't know. know we can't <laughs> check i don't even know where to check that
0: tommy x zendaya, tommy x
1: zendaya could be the name for anything <laughs>
0: may not it could be a cologne <laughs> could be a movie. <laughs> this is bad, but this is scary to me because we just might be spouting but false just Our longtime things. listeners are just lying to us now, <laughs> preying on our stupidity. Oh, God, we're in trouble. <laughs> ben Miller, he's back. Ne- At Neb is Ben, says, All right, boys, it's about to get weird. Wendell Pierce portrays James Greer on Jack Ryan mm-hmm. in The Hunt for Red October. Greer is played by James Earl Jones. Of course, those are both... How did he cl- connect those? Those are both Tom Clancy things. They, they are characters in different Tom Clancy movies. All right, Greer, playing the same guy. So, all right. So, in the Hunt for Red Up Op- Red October, Greer is played by James Earl Jones who portrayed Jack Jefferson on Broadway in The Great White Hope. He was replaced on that show with Yafik Kato, who portrayed Idi Amin in The Raid on Entebbe. Then in in The Last King of Scotland, Amin was portrayed by Forrest Whitaker, who was the narrator in Dope, and the narrator of a political documentary, Why Tuesday, was portrayed by Kirsten Dunst. He just went narrator to (laughs) narrator.
1: I don't know if that's
0: allowed. Judges? It's never been. All right. Kirsten Dunst narrated something who uh, played Mary Jane in Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. I know where this is going. Mary Jane is currently being portrayed by Zendaya. That that classic connection
1: uh, hooking Spider-Man to ruthless, warmongering dictator Idi
0: Amin. Took your
1: dunce. Classic
0: pairing. Idi Amin to Mary Jane. Like, James Earl Jones, Idi Amin, Mary Jane. Mustafa Bye. Bye. from
1: The Lion King My to God. ruthless, savage, warmonger, Idi Amin. Yes. It did get weird. Devis Ben, Bravo. <laughs> Swamp Thing, our old friend Wojciech. Why sure? Zendaya is the star of Euphoria series, the same title of a film with Alicia Vikander,
0: who's True. married
1: to Michael Fassbender, giving me a shout-out because I was on a long-standing Fassbender rant last week on Twitter. You I were. appreciate that, Apocalypse, Wojciech. Apocalypse, Steve Jobs, um, what else should you do do. That, I just, I <laughs> demanded that somebody cast him in a movie with Denzel. He did. <laughs> I demanded That's that. Right. Fassbender was close friends with James McAvoy, star of Glass, with Sarah Paulson, who plays in The Runner with Wendell Pierce. Very nice, quick and tidy there, as Wojciech usually is.
0: He said close friends, he could have said they're in the X-Men movies. I wonder why. <laughs> is that purposely left out? I don't know. He's not, he's figured he feed, fed my ego enough with the Fastbender shout out. <laughs> he wasn't going to highlight X-Men too. That's funny. Superfan Otter at Superfan Otter says, and die to Holland alright Spider-Man to Evans through the Avengers to Elba the Losers yeah. to Pierce the Wire and he goes, this is fun when I'm not being a jagoff at just saying red carpet with GRRM. <laughs> See? <laughs> <laughs> See, super fan, you got some fun. I actually saw, just by happenstance, the poster
1: of Evans from The Losers, his character in The Losers. If you want to talk about a juxtaposition, the guy looks so far removed from Captain America with that character from The Losers, who's sure. supposed to be like a techie, I guess, nerd. Yeah. My lord, can't believe that's America's ass. Can't believe. <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> Merc with a movie blog, at movie Merck, M-E-R-C, M-E-R-C- Nice, the quickest one we had this week. Zendaya was in Smallfoot with Common. Common was with Wendell Pierce in Selma.
0: Thank you very much. Great job awesome. there, Merck. Awesome. That's hard to do, and nobody else did that. No, really. that was the that was the so quickest was by the far quickest. this so, week. Mark Burgundy at the One Hanson says Wendell Pierce's first acting part was in The Money Pit as a paramedic. He I knows. love The Money Pit. <laughs> Me too. I love it. Uh, paramedic in that movie nick cage was a paramedic in bringing out the dead directed by scorsese a producer on the young victoria stalling starring paul bettany who's in firewall bad movie but good connection here absurd. which has a runtime of 105 <laughs> uh, w- 105 minutes which is the same as the greatest showman starring zendaya let me tell you why that's the winner this week okay
1: <laughs> because not only is doing a movie time so ridiculous but there are a billion different sources you can get a yeah. billion different official run times for movies on. So he just probably picked one that
0: fit. How does he pick that? And went that? with it. How does he pick that? Did he just comes on off chance. I love it. Did he, like, see, get to Firewall and he was lost? He was literally walled by fire? He, know, not, he didn't know what this to do? This set- is so he looked up all Zendaya's movie. How long are they? Oh, my God. Eureka. They're both 105.
1: Great job, the one Hanson. Mark oh Burgundy goodness. is the winner of all things Six Degrees related this week. He gets all the bragging rights and sits on whatever the equivalent of our Iron Throne would be. Michael, do we have a challenge for them this week?
0: Okay, this is weird. And this is your idea. So if anybody blames somebody for this, blame you. Uh, see, how he immediately threw you under the bus. That's yeah, fine. All right, Mike. You said we're, we're going to do Keanu Reeves. Yes. John Wick 3 comes out this week. John Wick 3 is coming out soon. And we're going to connect Keanu Reeves to the dog from Fraser. That's right. Eddie. That's right. (laughs) so you can't say that Keanu Reeves had a dog in John Wick 1 and then he has a dog in oh John I didn't 2. even think of that yeah so that, that's the one thing we're gonna outlaw yeah that's fair you can't just connect this is a dog and that is also a dog right you have to connect the dog from Frazier <laughs> this is a dog
1: and also that is a dog I would like to win now please
0: <laughs> you have to connect the dog from Frazier Eddie to Keanu Reeves yes and, uh,
1: <laughs> because a dog's journey also comes out this week and I you, have, you just pointing that out would be fascinating if we were the first to uncover just by happenstance that a dog's journey is actually a crossover event with John Wick and he kills everyone in a dog's journey Jeez. and that's his dog.
0: I'd, just, I'd be less surprised by... <sighs>
1: things uh, let's talk about let's wrap up with mmo ask for the audience interaction section this week
0: we had a we weren't going to cover this one but we had literally over 200 comments on it so we had to co- yeah on it some fun. of fun great job with this mike uh you basically asked everybody what's the tagline for this movie x-men dark phoenix and you had a big poster of x-men dark phoenix which somehow made it funnier and you, <laughs> and you said wrong answers only yes. Uh, Master Pancake kicked things off a little too late in the game. You 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 definitely heckled the folks a little bit. You kept yeah. you know peppering in your heckling. Oh yeah, throughout, which was great because I think it got a lot more responses. <laughs> but Master Pancake said Stark Phoenix, which was a That's great a great one. Great dad joke. That is.
1: Uh, Jay Sandlin at Jay Sandlin X Men Dark Phoenix a turd about a bird.
0: <laughs> good writer jay sandlin <laughs> to nicole says we just couldn't wait to screw it up dot 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 again yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> scott mendelson at scott mendelson he is the critics for forbes we appreciate his input here <laughs> thanks for playing along uh scott mendelson saying you won't believe what angry magneto lifts this time yeah. and my response was i hope it's the tomato meter score <laughs> i hope it's not another baseball
0: stadium <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've seen it already, magneto yeah. you could put it down that's funny <laughs> Uh, you can never have too many Starks at Khaleesi underscore Brit says because Sophie Turner needed something to do <laughs> while Game of Thrones was on hiatus. She's not wrong. And it was true. Yeah, it was on hiatus for like a year and a half.
1: <laughs> junk about movies at Junk About Movies. X Men, Dark Phoenix. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die.
0: <laughs> I love that. And he knows us. Yeah. He knows that. Going with, right to our Mr. Junkie. I that. Maybe a collab coming soon. We're hoping. <laughs> Donna Scott at Wish Us Donna. Just said who farted?
1: That's such a cheat code. You could use that in any area of life, and I will laugh at it. (laughs) Colm O'Brien at c o l o b eight eight X Men. No class. I like that. A lot of plays on the uh, Days of Future Past. First class. A lot of plays on those. That
0: was good. Amanda Amanda Christina Campos at Grim underscore underscore or Mm -hmm. underscore Mandy. Said the curtains do match the drapes. <laughs> what the hell with redheads? What the hell? Always redheads. A$AP Raji at
1: A-S-A-P-R-A-J-Y, X-Gun, give it to you. Which is another one. You
0: could just insert DMX into yeah. anything, and I'll laugh at I'll it. I'll laugh so, yeah. it. And, of course, to make this dad joke spectacular continue, Matt Bradley, Shurgy, I'm not pronouncing that at Matt WBT I'm not pronouncing it correctly most likely he said are you afraid of the dark Phoenix I like that perfect
1: (laughs) wrap it up Mark Ezra Stokes at Mark Ezra Stokes girl meets world the curse of Mr. Phoenix (laughs) F E E Mr. Phoenix yeah
0: I like that thank
1: you very much for everyone for playing along with us Uh, thank you everyone for submitting your answers to both this and Six Degrees our apologies that we couldn't get to each and every one of you but keep on submitting and we're gonna keep trying to highlight as many of your answers for this or any MMO asks as we can on a weekly basis. Uh, as it is now, we're gonna move into a box office update because we want to try to keep this episode under three hours long. Box office update this week, Michael. Little surprised that Pikachu didn't beat out Avengers. Right, it was
0: close. It was within five million. Avengers: End Game, sixty-three million dollar weekend. Detective Pikachu, a fifty-eight million dollar weekend. Not too shabby. No, it's a good opening. You know, Pikachu's made one twelve worldwide or internationally. So it's a million dollar total which is strong uh avengers endgame up to 723.5 domestically 1.752 billion internationally for a cumulative score of 2.485 billion yeah, I, I just want to make a couple
1: uh, highlights about what we saw here with this. I'm pretty shocked Endgame did beat Pikachu. Pikachu was projected to do between 50 to $80 million for an opening number. So the fact that it landed at 58 domestically, that's a very strong opening. Yeah. It also set the record for highest Thursday gross for a video game adaptation ever. Uh, but it's still on the lower end where experts thought the film would track for its first weekend. It probably lost some audience to Endgame still, which is pretty shocking, and that's the big story, as it has been for its first three weeks of being out in theaters. The The Avengers quest to unseat Avatar is now what we're looking at, and doing a little basic math, domestically, Endgame's lost 58% and then 57% of its audience from weekend-to-weekend basis. If it does that for the next two weeks, it's going to make about another $37.5 million domestically on the weekends. That 37 million, if it does that, we will put it in a virtual tie with Avatar for the domestic box office of 760 million. So that'll probably pass Avatar in the next two weeks. If you're talking including the weekday numbers as well, it's probably going to move past Avatar for the second highest-grossing domestic film ever. Not to pat myself on the <laughs> back, but I did say three to four weeks was gonna domestically. Be... I was gonna say now worldwide is what oh, we're looking at for the worldwide box office, and you look at the. <laughs> The international numbers Endgame's been losing about sixty five percent of its international audience on average week to week. Yeah. So if that holds true, the next two weekends it's gonna bring about another fifty million dollars. You combine that with the domestic. Over the next two weeks, we're talking probably another hundred million or so for Endgame. Okay.
0: Domestically you still say it that.
1: needs about three hundred million to pass Avatar right now worldwide. Yeah. It's going to be about $200 million short before it starts getting losing serious numbers and we're going to have to rely on like hundreds of thousands of dollars from the weekend at some point soon after. Can it beat Avatar is the big question. It's losing momentum. Look, maybe this means that people were more willing and more wowed and felt more compelled to re-see James Cameron's Avatar world than they were to re-see Endgame's 10-year culmination of its storylines, which I think could mean something. I don't understand why that is. But there's also no shame in finishing second place of the all time
0: worldwide (laughs) movie gross. True. I I wonder if John Wick's going to bite into, you know, its action movie goer, you know, repeat viewing a a little bit as well. So the Hustle Mike made 13.5. Rebel Wilson, Ann Hathaway. That's not as terrible as some feared. No. The intruder made 6.6 and long shot made 6.1 carryovers from last week, newcomers from last week. They're up to 21 and 20, almost 23, respectively. They're not doing as well as they hoped, but. Uh who knows? Maybe they have a l- some legs, but doesn't look great. I saw some positive stuff about the intruder because
1: just because Dennis Quaid is playing so against type from what he usually does on screen, huh. it's intriguing to me. I might give it a watch once it comes on a premium channel, but yeah, I have no motivation to see any of those in theaters myself. It's just it's not a necessity yeah. to see
0: in theaters, is it?
1: No, no. Outside of Detective Pikachu, even no, though Rl Terry, really, yeah, Rl yeah.
0: Terry says Longshot is a lot of fun. So That's good God, to get. I am shocked by how far that the Seth Rogan. Yeah, he was on top of the world. Memorial Day comedy
1: has uh, has kind of fallen by the wayside there. Uh, Move in. We had a couple deaths, sadly, to talk about last week. Unfortunately, we have another big death in the movie world today. Mike, you want to talk about this a little?
0: Yeah, uh, rest in peace, Doris Day. Uh, She was nominated for an Oscar for Pillow Talk in 1960. Move Over, Darling, The Tunnel of Love, Midnight Lace, The Touch of Mink, Send Me No Flowers, The Glass Bottom Boat, Love Me or Leave Me, Love or Come Back, Mike, Doris Day was 97. She had an incredible career. She had... A ton of great films, and she was like a favorite of my mom. I don't know if you had any family who loved her stuff. Uh, I'll
1: be honest, I didn't have a
0: lot of a lot of ties to Doris Day. I
1: am a fan of old old Hollywood, but I just never took the dive into her stuff. But you can see, like we said last week, we're going to say it again this week. She was a very established star. She did a lot for a lot of people in her life, and she meant a lot to the community of Hollywood. And she was partly responsible. She was a huge name back in her day for getting the movie industry to where it is today. I don't care how small a part any of these. People play and she was no small part she was a big part uh, they once they pass it's sad because their life work was devoted to making this industry what it is so schmucks like you and me get behind a microphone three thousand miles away <laughs> and comment on it on a weekly Absolutely. B- basis but 97 lived a, a full, full life, life. very full sure. life so
0: hopefully everybody can celebrate her work and uh, going forward you know we get another doris day somehow some yeah. way Probably not able to absolutely
1: possible. rest in peace. No way to transition from those sad stories. As always Except for our goofy music. So that's what we all we can do is play that's this goofy lead and song. i got know Do you care and why should we? This is the do you care section. Um, That's what it is. (laughs) This is where we take news stories of the week and we ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? We always lead off the Do You Care section by talking about this week's upcoming releases. But I'm going to lead off by saying I titled this section completely wrong. Neither one of us caught it. It was like
0: 30 seconds in. I had to delete it. It was like the phone call where the phone cuts out and the other person just keeps talking for a while. (laughs) It was so bad. All right. But we're here. This is Do You Care. So, Michael,
1: this week's theatrical releases, we have A Dog's Journey, like we talked about. Uh, Unfortunately not starring Eddie from Frasier John Wick 3, Chapter 3, Parabellum The Sun is also a star Those are the nationwide releases We also have The Souvenir Which we have previewed a couple times on here With Tilda Swinton And Trial by
0: Fire Opening Limited Do we care about any of those? So John Wick Chapter 3 looks really good It's getting rave reviews Even though it's only 41 reviews in It still has a 98% 74 Metascore Which is solid for an action movie So I'm in for John Wick Chapter 3 I'm going to see it I don't love the subtitle Parabellum kind of annoys I, me a little bit. I'm
1: assuming that's going to get more information on Why it. Why do we have a smart word <laughs> when this
0: is a dumb movie? Which is, you have punch shooting. It should have been called Caramello. It should have been called, we actually use guns properly. Caramello is a candy bar. I like Caramello. <laughs> <laughs> because it sounds like Parabellum. You, We did spend the weekend with our dads. <laughs> We've been and parents. way too often. we—that's That too. <laughs> Uh, look. How is a dog's journey getting good reviews? How is this possible? This is total emotional manipulation. Yes. Look, this movie could get nominated for fifteen Oscars, and I won't see it. I, I just can't. refuse. I'm taking a page out of your book, saying I will not subject myself to this. Yeah, the trailer I know alone, something bad happens to that dog. Yes, the dog keeps coming back from the dead, <laughs> yeah. Mike. Good the dog God. keeps dying, and it keeps. It's like uh, what do you call it? reincarnation? Yeah. And it keeps coming back as other dogs, so we have to keep watching the Didn't we the just same... see this with Pet Cemetery? Oh. Didn't we see how this would actually play out? We have to keep watching this dog grow old and die <laughs> while Dennis effing Quaid still survives. He's now, staying. if
1: Dennis Quaid's playing his character from The Intruder in
0: mm-hmm. this, then I'll see it. That's a good point. He's not. <laughs> this movie is rated PG with a capital G. Ugh. Mike, The Souvenir is at 90% 31 Reviews. Tilda Swinton, previewed a bunch of times. Intriguing. It does look awfully intriguing. Everything Tilda Swinton's in does, yeah. If I had a beard, I would stroke it (laughs) because I'm intrigued. Uh, Trial by Fire, yes, you have Laura Dern, but I no longer trust Edward Zwick. I just don't. I just don't. I'm sorry. Blood Diamond is... Oh, God. You're not a Blood Diamond fan, huh? I'm not a Blood Diamond fan. I'm not a Defiance fan. Loving other drugs is okay. Pawn Sacrifice, Jack Reacher. He just hasn't done a good movie in a while. He did The Siege, and that's good enough for me. Yeah, that's why I keep going back and watching these all these movies. Because The Siege and Courage Under Fire and Legends of the Fall was okay. Ugh. The Siege was ahead of its time. This is a man that could see Glory. the future. About last night, the guy had some good movies in the filmography and he keeps sucking me back in for the next one. So you're saying there's a chance Denzel has a cameo in Trial by Fire is what you're saying? I don't see it, <laughs> I think. It's got an interesting premise, but I, just, I, I can't. I can't get my hopes up again. Biography, drama, controversial story of Cameron Todd Willingham executed in Texas after killing his three children. But there's scientific evidence, say an expert testimony that bolstered his claims of innocence. And they were suppressed. So maybe you're interested. Yeah, it sounds like something
1: that's that's up my uh, my alley. There, I wouldn't mind it. But making a movie. Also, he made the siege. So
0: (laughs) he did. He liked the siege, huh? The siege is fine, right? It's good. You gonna ask me another question? Is it great? (laughs) Well, we don't have time. We have a time limit, do we, Mike? uh, Three Star Wars films get release dates. Avatar sequels get pushed back. Do you care? I don't care about Avatar.
1: I, I, these things have been pushed back and pushed back again. We'll get them when James Cameron wants to give it to us. That's the bottom line. He's four Avatar sequels coming. Which out. is also equally ridiculous. We don't need that many. Uh, the Star Wars stuff is interesting that they would release it prior to Episode Nine, kind of getting any kind of momentum. I'm guessing they did so because they have announcements they want to get ahead of for Comic-Con and the big cons coming over over the summer. So they wanted this news out there. I wonder if these sequel dates are for uh, the Ryan Johnson trilogy. You would think they're announcing three of them right now. That's the only trilogy we know of that's in the pipeline. Right. So maybe that's what this is. I do think it's a business motivated move though, because they just want to start getting the hype ready, and they don't want to leave people hanging until November or December to wonder what's next in the Star Wars universe. So
0: did they like arrange the production and like Lord of the Rings, filming all three at once?
1: The, the, the farthest one out there is 2026, and 2022 is still three years away. So we could they could not be in production yet for any of these. Okay, so one could be
0: a spinoff, one could be David and Dan, one could be... Yeah, Ryan 2022, Johnson. 2024,
1: 2026. Maybe it's two Johnson ones and one uh, Benioff and Weiss one. Who knows? But I oh. think we're going to get a more clear picture dur- somewhere during these cons. Giving us a break
0: uh, w- of two years which between is each and also... From, you know, 2022, basically. Because this is yeah. coming out December of 2019. It's really three years. Three years off, yeah, so, which is yeah. which is needed. Knapsack was all about that. And you got The Mandalorian premiering on Disney+. Disney Plus. Plus that'll be a big one, yeah. So, yeah, Avatar, do you have any juice for any Avatar movie? Yeah, that's crazy. The movie is the number one box office draw of all time. It, he's gotten greenlit four sequels. That he's, like, apparently been filming for 15 years. uh, And nobody has any fire for these. That
1: movie the box office number may have just been the perfect storm because it was James Cameron. It's him using all this kind of weird technology. And wasn't 2009 just in, like, the re-boom of 3D right. and all these widescreen IMAXs and stuff? So it was a, it was shot with an IMAX camera, which was one of the first movies that did that, and people wanted to see this. So they really sold the technical aspect of that movie. It so looked great. Maybe it was yeah. just a, a perfect storm, and that's why people kept going to see it. And it looked great on the big screen. So and,
0: yeah, it really did. but. What if Avatar 2 sucks and they got three more of these things, these albatross? If it sucks, they're not going to have three more of them. Well, I <laughs> think Mr. He's... Cameron, you can keep your footage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I don't he's... know
1: either. It's going to be an interesting question. I, The next one's going to make money. It's been 10 yeah. years at that point, so that's going to make money. I don't think they're in danger there.
0: But why do you need five of these movies? I don't know. I One was pushing it. Yeah. Uh, it was good. It was good. It was a good film. I mean, but have you. I mean, Slash Film did a big thing talking about the rewatchability of Avatar. Nobody goes back to it. Have you ever gone back and rewatched it? Avatar? Yeah. Why would you? No. I, I don't. I think I've rewatched it once. I've no. never gone back
1: again. It doesn't. I don't, I don't get, we're going to see. But uh, Star Wars, good move. Avatar remains to be seen. Lady and the Tramp, though, Michael, is going to feature Janelle Monet as the Siamese cat. Chris Evangelista had the uh, article on this from Slash Film. And it's going to go straight to Disney. Do you care?
0: Chris, one of our favorite writers yes. over there at Slash Film, Evangelista. Uh, look, this is fascinating because we're getting a star powered, one of those live action animated VFX remakes, right? I don't know what we call these things now, but I don't either. Basically, we're getting Lady of the Tramp, but it's going right to Disney Plus. They're pouring resources into Disney Plus. This is $7 a month. My god, I can't spend that $7 a month fast enough. Yeah, they're making it like a must-own type thing. It's going to be akin with Netflix up there. That's awesome. Yeah. It's it's awesome. I would love to see some 2D animated films sure. as well. Of course, Winnie the Emperor's New Groove 2. And or you're going to have the entire... Everyone's like, it's great, it's out there already, Emperor's New group too 2. <laughs> whatever, give me some 2 Then give me three.
1: Uh, the entire Disney catalog is going to be in there. It's certainly going to be must-own. And that the, the Marvel series alone, and now you have Full fledged Disney movies that are going to be exclusive to Disney Plus, they're doing a great job of honing of that brand.
0: And I guess if Avatar 2 sucks, Avatar 3, 4, and 5 will <laughs> go at least to Disney Plus. Maybe. Mike, Constance Wu, there's a huge, loaded controversy. Just let it out there. I know you've been tweeting about it. What do you think of all this? Don't shit where
1: you eat. Oof. I understand. You are a hot property right now. You want to go towards movies. Crazy Rich Asians was a giant hit. She talks about all She's hobbies. great in that. She's awesome. She's an awesome actress. She talks about the, this dream property she had to give up on because fresh off the boat is getting renewed and she didn't want to have to give up on it. That's unprofessional, obviously. You don't mock your worker, your employer in a public space like that on social media. Sure. Where there's, there's people that defended her saying if she wants to complain, it's not your business to comment. Well, you're right. But if she puts it on Twitter and a social forum like that, whether it's my business or not, it's going to be someone else's because it's available for everyone to comment and see. And that otherwise, why would you put it on Twitter and Instagram as she did? I would also say be very careful if you're a hot TV star right now that has a yeah. lot of movies being thrown at you because you're only a picture or two away from not having a movie career right Catherine heigl david caruso these are all people that that were you know dying they were really hot properties at one point they were dying to have their own film careers take off Mm -hmm. and they didn't go very far and it was only a matter of time before they saw themselves back on tv anyway in lesser prominent shows
0: than where they started the movie business is fickle especially with the the lack of mid-budget films you know popping up out there so Constance Wu was in a uh, sensation just an absolute worldwide sensation Crazy Rich Asians she's got a TV show that is working well enough to be hired back and I get like the artistic passion thing like she wants to do right, something sure. else the, you, you can't put that in writing on Twitter and she realized that and she apologized for it so you see the apology I know the apology has gotten some heat because she kind of did the uh you know kind of a tagline i don't want to say tagline from time's up but she said this is why we should believe women or something in there and mm. hollywood reporter of variety got on her case for that it's like what are you doing referencing yeah, that I don't so that. i think not see that actually to be i honest. think she's struggling big washington post article so read that uh, i think she's struggling to get on top of this she should have just apologized and let it go from there, right? I mean, w- just apologize. That's it.
1: For every George Clooney in history that there's been who waited out his time as a bona fide TV star, went to movies, and became a huge A-lister, there's like a billion Matthew Perry's. Yeah. Uh, and not even to belabor that point, I guess. Sterling K. Brown came out the next day when he found out This Is Us is renewed. And this is the same guy yeah. who's a very hot property, who's been in Marvel movies, who's who we keep waiting to have his big breakout role. And he was celebrating that This Is Us got renewed. And he put that video out there. Him and him, he was dancing and he was all happy and stuff. Like, even if, just fake it. <laughs> just fake it if you're not
0: happy about it. The, the hard part about this, you know, Hollywood stardom, it's just, you're trading in likability. I mean, your likability matters. So if you come out negative on something, especially something where you're employing x amount mm-hmm. of people it's just going to be a bad look and it is a bad look right now
1: yeah and we love we're fans of Constance Wu she's a great actress like we said and we hope she does have this huge movie career but contracts are contracts you signed a contract
0: yeah i mean she is stuck and it's just it's a shame yeah it's a shame that uh, that this whole mess happened
1: it is I, I do appreciate her apology but like i didn't see that she was quoting Me Too or anything, that's a whole other... I didn't see that. I don't know about it. That's a whole other issue if she did. People so. gave her some heat for that. Yeah. I okay. can. Well, understandably so, if that's how it went down. But we'll see. We want to know your thoughts about that. Any other news story we had this week. We want to know your thoughts about the trailers we also reviewed. And, of course, about Game of Thrones. Did you watch it? Why or why not? What did you think about it? Uh, you can get us. We're Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. M.M. and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere. You hear podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play,
0: etc. etc. et cetera. Michael, give these people some good words of wisdom to start their weeks off with you know it's wise if you can if you had a few spare dollars uh donate them to live stream for the cure yeah. raising money for cancer research started by epic film guys we're one of many podcasts that are going to jump on twitch for a literal live stream we go on live which i'm very scared of but it's not wise <coughs> it's not wise we're at <laughs> six o'clock may 18th that is a saturday six o'clock eastern time Uh, So if you can join us, that would be fun. Uh, And, uh, yeah, we're going to see our faces and why we do radio all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Very
1: wise words there, guys, when reality sucks. Come watch movies with us. Have a great week, and we will see you later this week.
0: See ya.